Hi guys, I'm John Sherburn and this is Nightcap, a podcast where I come to you and unpack topics that come to me in everyday walks of life. Uh, and, and this is a new podcast that I'm doing. I have a 20-minute episode that I released um, just before this one was recorded here. And this is my first full-length one. But the purpose of this podcast is for me to come to you guys, uh, whoever's listening, and just kind of get in depth about some topics that I, I see in, in life. Uh, if I'm talking about something, movies, music, religion, pod, politics, whatever it is, if it's interesting to me, I'm going to write it down, I'm going to think about it, I'm going to create my ideas around this thing, and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to record it for everybody. So, um, without further ado, this is the first inaugural episode of Nightcap, um, this podcast that I'm going to be doing for a while. Uh, I'm working with this through Anchor um, to get it distributed around. I'm trying to get distributed on all major f- platforms. So far, I've only, I'm only on a couple, but I am working. I'm also working on getting over a cold, so if I'm sniffly stuffy... <laughs> At all, I apologize. Um, I promise this is not what I'm usually like. So, without further ado, this is Nightcap. Alright guys, so today I have a specific topic in mind. This is something that I didn't expect I was going to do. I uh, actually had another idea that I was planning on recording, and then last night, it all changed. Uh, Last night, I had some friends over. They were, uh, you know, we were all hanging out. We decided to watch a movie. And we decided to watch a horror movie, which is not something that we have done in a while. Nothing that I usually do. I'm not a big horror fan. Um, I don't usually get involved with horror. I tend to either find it to be too like needlessly gory or a little too campy for me. I, I, I usually can't find my happy medium. Um, I, I've watched a lot of horror movies over the years, and there are definitely some really good ones. I liked The Witch. I liked... Um, some of the older ones like American Werewolf from London, I, I like a lot of horror movies, but um, I also find that frequently they miss the mark. And I find that I don't like a lot of movies that I like. like everyone liked The Conjuring, did not like The Conjuring, not a big fan. I would watch on the airplane, I laughed more than once during it. It just seemed unbelievable. It was like, okay, uh, it was about, you know, uh, it was a house, and it was haunted, and oh, the the normal stuff, the usual stuff, but it didn't do anything for me. I wasn't afraid. I didn't think it was gonna happen to me. I don't believe it was real. I always, I, I never know with the true with the true story warnings and labels and things on horror movies. I, what legal precedent do you have to have to to say that? I, I don't, I don't know if there is it. I find a lot of those movies to be kind of full of shit. Um, I'm. This is going to be an interesting episode because I'm going to talk about horror in culture, horror in mythology. I'm going to talk about horror in life. I'm also going to talk about like how I actually feel about some of that supernatural stuff. This is going to be an interesting episode. I can feel it already. But um, yeah, I find a lot of those truth, you know, true or not true warning labels to be kind of to be kind of dumb. I don't know. I I don't know what basis they have to have. You know, as long as the location exists or the object exists, that's all the ground with that was the biggest thing with that but I, I you know conjuring those movie movies don't do a lot for me you know they, they they're either they're most movies i'm not truly actually scared of and i think that's why i don't like them um i'm gonna be grossed out by them you know i might watch something like saw and be grossed out i might watch a spooky movie and it makes me you know freaked out to turn the lights on and i'll pretend there's a you know in my head i'll be like oh shit you know i'll see things jumping that aren't there and stuff but I think it's really hard to truly scare a person. Um, it's truly hard for a film to scare a person because 
off of the basis that movies aren't real. We know that. We're sitting there, we're watching it on a television screen. We know that people, we know these people are actors, we know these people made this movie. And so it's very hard to be truly, genuinely afraid of a film because you know that the film has nothing to be, it's by definition non threatening to you. And I think that fear, or I think that horror is obviously stems from fear. And I think fear stems from the real, your brain actually thinking something's going to happen to you. And, and, and usually fear actually is when something's not actually there. Um, and so I think that's why it's very hard for there to be good, a lot of good horror movies. A lot of horror movies don't hit the mark for that exact reason. But we decide to turn on the movie none of us had seen, but all of us had heard about. I'm sure everybody has heard about Hereditary. Hereditary was one of the single craziest experiences I've ever seen in my life in a movie. Um, I've heard a lot about it. I've actually heard a lot of bad about it. Um, now that I've seen that, I wish I could go back and talk to some of those people about how they felt. Because I was blown away in the best way by this movie. It is in my top five horror movies of all time easily. It is, uh, to me, a classic. It is one of the few horror films that did its job for me personally. So personally, I will never... It was a peak that I'm sure I will not be able to hit more than a few times in my lifetime. But I think that Hereditary was an amazing horror movie because it's, it rode that line perfectly. And I, I mean perfectly. It was a movie that was bloody and gory, but didn't overdo it. It wasn't huge on the jump scares unless it was necessary. It wasn't huge on the gore unless it was specific. There were two or three specific gory scenes, bloody scenes, gross scenes, and they were used, I want to say artfully, only because like they weren't overdone. It could have easily been a, a gore film, right? Because there's a specific, I'm not going to, I'm going to try my best not to spoil this movie for anybody, but there was a specific, uh, you know, scene, that like a pinnacle of the movie that's a gory scene. Uh, but it didn't overdo it. It didn't show up for too long. It didn't. It just. It it did what it had to do, and it showed as much as it didn't show. And so this movie is. It had gore. It had amazing acting. It had a, a believable storyline because the thing is, most of this movie could happen. Like even if you took if you took this movie, recut it, took out all the actual supernatural parts of it, this movie could very easily be a woman. And to a other and more extent, her uh, another extent, her family's descent into madness, and, and it could actually happen to a human being. I'm gonna say minor spoiler here, not minor minor spoiler here. It happens early on. The daughter dies, right? And when the daughter dies, it opens this door for the rest of the family, and it ends up being a supernatural thing, devil involved. Ah, uh, but very simply, the way this girl died, right? It was like the brother's fault and all that. So if this happened, this could easily tear a family apart to almost the extent that it did in this film. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons this film was a hit. Because it was scary. Because you could see it happening. I could see this happening to if this happened to me with my sister. and my mom, I could see this happening. And so I think that's a big quintessential part of horror that often is overlooked. Because, is, because very frequently you don't think of horror... You're trying... Horror tries to scare people a lot of the time just by, like, shoving it down their throats. It, it, it tries to say, you're going to be afraid of this. I'm going to make something scary, a scary character or whatever. And that's not effective because, again, we can see that it's a movie. So instead of delivering a scary monster or something, you deliver an event and you deliver 
a story that could actually happen. And so it's I'm not scared of what's happening in the movie. I'm scared because I'm relating it to what could happen to me. And that is the big, uh, I think that's the big changing point in this film. I think that's something that a lot of horror films need to look at. And it needs to change. And I think if people take Hereditary and they start making other films like Hereditary, it's going to change the way horror is. It's going to make horror an actual contender. And you see that now. I think horror right now is kind of stepping up a little. A lot of people respect it. A lot of people are getting into making horror films. I mean, you had Get Out, which is, you know, I'd say kind of a horror film. It didn't necessarily scare me that much, but um, you're seeing horror movies get better storylines. I think that's big, because for a long time, horror movies had lacking storylines, and they were just going out for blood and gore and stuff. I mean, if you look at Saw, you look at the Freddy, Jason, all that stuff. And so, yeah, I think that it was just one of the best movies I've seen this year, because it truly terrified me. It encaptured me. It surprised me. I had no idea what was actually going on. And you never did. And it was it was just, oh my God, I, I'm blown away. I can't even, I have to digest it more, honestly, um, and like write a review or something because it's like, oh my God. It just hit every mark of a film perfectly. And it's not even about the fact that it was a horror movie. Like, I wouldn't even say it was a horror movie first. It was a film. It was a story. It was suspenseful. It was a family drama. And then it just happened to be scary. And that's really important, and that's I don't I I count on one hand probably the amount of movies I've seen that do that, um, because so often movies are made for a genre, and for an audience, but this was just made to be well, and I think the last thing I'm gonna say on it, is uh, well, what's her name? Tony Collette. Hereditary. Hereditary. Ari Aster is the director. Good job, Ari Aster. Honestly, goddamn, so proud of you. See, it won an award for best actress because this listly, Tony Collette. Tony Collette. I have almost never seen a movie with as good acting as from a character as Tony Collette. I think she, uh, I th- I think she should get on history for this role. I think this ro- role is just absolutely insane um she from the first from when her daughter died that scream blood curdling devastating scream set the tone of the film and ever and after that that was all it was it was her slowly being consumed and destroyed by this and the more destroyed she became by this event the more she destroyed her family which made it worse and it was this cycle and she, her acting, like, it's like it actually happened to her. I don't know where she had to go in her mind to get to that point, but holy shit. You, you know, you talk about method acting, right? And, and for many films, you can, like, oh, they get in the headspace. But, like, there are some films, honestly, even, like, even if you look at, like, a movie like The Shining, right? Jack Nicholson had to get into the craziest headspace for The Shining, right? He was a, he had to murder his family, go absolutely nuts, right? It's a hard headspace to get into. But this, this is just a new... This is just a new level of headspace. It's impossible. Like, she encapsulated what it was like to lose your family, lose your sanity, lose your uh, faith in the world and in the fact that things work right, um, and in, 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 in discovering that supernatural things were occurring. And she responded perfectly to it. It was, it was crazy. I am very happy with the way this movie went. I think it got pretty good reviews, too. 7.5 on IMDb. 
ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It, it it did it was good, which I think is 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 good because I think that it, um, it deserves it. It deserves every ounce of of good praise it got. I'm trying to think of what I think is wrong with this movie. I'll have to watch it again or something to act, like sit down and it, to actually soak it in as a film, and not just like as the story. But there is very little wrong with this movie. I'd say there are very few mistakes that I personally came across while watching this film because it it just in every way encapsulated you. So I'll hop off the hereditary Terry horse. I promise I'm not a PR agent. Um, and I will get on with the rest of this. But I, I think horror is a really interesting topic to unpack because it's such a weird phenomenon and part of culture that we've over since the you know, beginning of history, we've taken it in and accepted it. Because I think that fear is the building block of, of, of this stuff. So I think that fear is more than anything what I'm going to talk about today. Um, you know, horror movies have changed a lot over the decades. You know, we started out with monster movies. Evom, you know. We started out with that and, like, the Hitchcockian, um, is that Hitchcockian? Uh, suspense thrillers. Um, and those are two very distinct genres that almost everything is based off of. Um, in the film world for film for movies, you have the idea of monster in the house, which um, stems from uh, Snyder's Save the Cat. And a monster in the house is what you know, a lot of horror falls into, right? You have a, a some sort of place, um, whether it's an actual haunted house or an institution or a school or a town or whatever. And usually, there's a monster that comes in and invades it. Is a monster being Frankenstein, monster being paranormal activity spirit, monster being whatever. Um, and that's the majority of what these horror films are. And then there's this other subgenre, a subdivision or other division of horror that's um, suspense. And suspense movies aren't scary necessarily in what we'd consider jump scary and stuff, but there's a slow building suspense around uh, an event. And those are generally more realistic that I've seen because obviously, you know, Frankenstein and stuff, we don't really see a lot of that. But we do see suspense. We see these movies, oh, it's a kidnapping, oh, it's a murderer, that kind of stuff is more realistic. Um, but it all started way back when, and back when it was kind it was kind of corny when you look back. A lot of them hold up, kind of. Um, I think the, the monster movies definitely don't. Um, I've seen a lot of monster movies. I've seen, you know, I, I mentioned American World from London. I love that movie. Um, uh, Planet of the Dinosaurs is a movie I watched as a kid and I wouldn't say it's a horror movie but it's definitely a monster movie it's like the 70's film where uh, they, they crash on this planet and the planet's just uh, dinosaurs that still live there and they slowly get picked off by these dinosaurs at the end a couple of them survive and create a, a life for themselves and there's a baby and all of that but you know a lot of these movies are pretty campy a lot of the 50's film in general was kind of campy but since then, it's slowly changed as with reflecting culture, it's changed too. I think if you look at our culture, we got more open about talking. The more, the deeper we got into the postmodern movement, postmodern movement in, in, in film and in literature being, um, you know, the, the moder modernism was in many ways, you know, realism. And you'd talk, you'd see a lot of people talking about, like, you'd see stuff like The Grapes of Wrath and East of Eden and stuff. You saw a lot of books and movies that were realistic and talked about real things. And in postmodern, we kind of slowly, we, we learned as a society that we don't want to talk about real life. We want to turn real life into allegories. We want to turn real life into stories. We want to beat around the bush more. 
And the more we got into that, I think the more horror blossomed. Because fear, as a rule, right? Fear generally stems from a lack of reality. It's what could be around that corner. It's what could be in that house. And so I think that fear, by nature, is what's not there. And so it was very hard at the beginning here in the you know early to mid-20th century to have a lot of fear because as a culture, we weren't having a lot of abstract stuff in film from my perspective. Um, we weren't having a lot of that, so it was hard to have a lot of abstract horror, which is where horror stems from. And so the more we got into that abstract stuff, the more we saw um, monsters getting kind of crazy, these suspense movies having crazier, crazier premises, and they learned that people started liking jump scares. People would go, oh, they'd love to see a movie that, like, they can see, can they sit through that new Saw movie? Can they sit through it the whole way? Are they going to get up and leave? And so we've created this culture of, like, one-up, one-upsmanship as opposed to trying to create an actual story that's going to chill you and make you think. I think this movie gets back to that. And I'm very excited to watch what it means, what it does to the horror genre. Because I think since it made so much money and since it got so popular as a movie that focuses more on story, it might it might be a change. And I might start actually liking horror again. So go watch Hereditary. You might love it. You might hate it. Some people didn't like it at all, which shocked me because I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. But I don't know how anyone wouldn't like that movie. But go watch it. It's definitely worth it. Um, and, you know, yeah, uh, so, anyways, sorry, a little back, I, I, I backspaced a little bit there, but, um, so yeah, horror has changed a lot in, in film, and I think film is interesting place for horror, um, but the idea of fear and horror is not at all tied to film. It's been around a long ways before that, because it's been around in our culture forever, um, if you look at like monsters, right, as a, as a concept, if you look at monsters in folklore, um, they've been around in every major society forever. If you look at Bigfoot, if you look at the Jersey Devil, if you look at, you know, hell in, in, in Christianity, if you look at almost every major religion, well, okay, and that's not necessarily fair. Many major religions, especially a lot of the older ones, have demonic, crazy, evil place for all the bad people, right? And it's full of these monsters. Um, Greek, you look at Greek mythology is one of the best examples of it. I mean, Greek mythology is full of monsters. Same with the Greece, Norse, Norse mythology. But Greek mythology is chock full of it. You got everything from centaurs to satyrs to uh, cyclopses, right? You got minotaurs. You have all these different a lot of you know animal mixed with humans and and these humanistic you know the the these you know fairies and and monsters that all different purposes and if you look at monsters in a lot of these cultures they're very uh, representative of of bigger things um, and I'm not going to use any specific examples because I don't want to mislabel anything uh, I, I'm not a monster head a monster geek by any term so I'm not going to get too into specifics here but a lot of times I think the the, the monsters are our biggest fears. You know, they represent darkness, they represent greed, they represent lust and anger. And so, so so many of these monsters are either, you know, maybe it's, maybe the monster is an animalistic monster. You see a lot of that, right? You look at everything from werewolves to, you look at minotaurs to any, any look at almost any culture and there are going to be examples of, I would say look at every culture and there are examples of humanistic, animalistic 
creatures. And I think that the reason that we have that in our brain is because we have such a connection to animals, but we reject it so much that that becomes a fear of ours. There's an animalistic nature to all of us, and we hate accepting that fact. There is a part of humans that are animals that we can't escape. We have you know, mating patterns. We have ritual patterns. We have societal patterns. We, we, it, it, I, I was just reading an article. They just kind of figured out that um, humans move like water uh, in large groups. We have the same movement patterns as water. Uh, is hydrogen, and it's the hydrogen theory or whatever it is, you know, water bonding and stuff. But we are so connected to nature. We are so much like so many other animals. There's so many animals that are so intelligent, um, and there are so mu- there's so much of that, and we hate it, I think, because it, remi- it reminds us that we're not as evolved as we think we are. We're not that much farther away than, say, a dolphin or a crow or a chimp, um, and, and that freaks people out. It freaks them out. Because we're not animals. No, we're us. We're people. We have complex feelings. We matter more than animals. We eat animals. They don't, animals don't mean anything. But we have a lot to learn from them. We have a lot in common with them. And so I think that we, we take animals and we, we make those the mask of our... You know, that's one of our horror horrific items. We also have things like, you know, lust. We have a lot of... There's a lot of sexual creatures. Less the succubi, the... The beautiful women that drag you into whatever, and and a that comes a lot. I, I think that a lot of them are feminine because a lot of historical society has been masculine driven, um, which is a whole other conversation for a whole other day. But um, sexuality is such a big taboo in so many cultures that that becomes an object of fear. Sexuality is such a big object of fear, and if you think about it, right now in society, our society is not super afraid of sex. I think we're more open about it than American society has been in the past. And for other countries, you know, they're definitely farther ahead than we are. I think we still definitely have some fundamental uh, taboos that we shouldn't. But, um, you know, we find taboo in sex. And so uh, historically, a lot of times, whether it was sexually oppressed cultures that refuse to talk about sexuality, even though it's something that everyone goes through every day, or cultures that are open about sex, but there are still, you know, oh, like, you know, you're supposed to straight, you're not supposed to do this, whatever it is, a lot of those cultures, sex becomes fear. And sex is scary because sexuality, we don't have control over it. It's this primal urge that we can't fix. And that is what a lot of fear comes from as well because we can't control it. No matter how smart you are, if you're attracted to someone, they're going to make you think and act differently. And that's terrifying because that's, again, you don't have control over it. Just like we don't have control of the fact that we act like animals, especially in big groups. And so stuff like that's tear it, it it freaks people out, and, and so I think and I, and it's funny too. But so we stem off of all that kind of stuff. We stem off of fear of things like the darkness because what could be in there, and that comes from back when we were you know running around in in hides with spears because whatever's in that dark could probably actually kill us, and now it can't. But back in the day, it could, and it, for so long it could, um, because for so long we were not. We are predators, and we're the most dangerous predator from a mental spot, but what we have mentally, we lack physically, right? Things like a bear or a wolf or a tiger, they can kill. One-on-one, you are screwed, and we all know that. Uh, so I think that in a big way, we have a fear of the dark because we have a fear of what we can't see because we can't defend ourselves very well. It's about outsmarting the enemy, and if you can't see the enemy, you can't outsmart the enemy. Um, it's about them not being able to see you, you know? 
And so I think that, you know, we have a lot of these these bases of our fear, these bases of horror, these bases of monsters stem from a fundamental fear we have of things we can't control. And so I think that that's where we should draw a lot of our horror content we see today. About the lack of control more than anything. The lack of, okay, you're thrown into the situation and you can't stop it. You can't even you can't even roll with a punch because it's so far out of your hands that you just have to exist and hope you make it out. And that's terrifying for most people because most people are not equipped to not be able to control what's going on with their lives immediately or long term. And so I think it's it's things like that that we have to kind of see um, more in horror, uh, or at least it's there, but we have to see it be embraced, truly embraced more. But I, I find fear to be a very interesting topic, especially when you use it in things like uh, culture and religion and stuff. On the one hand, you know, uh, adults with their kids, right? Parents make up these monster stories, these old wives' tales about, okay, you know, oh, if you go out at night past a certain time, there's this, this monster is going to come get you, this crazy devil. Things like uh, Krampus, right? The old, you know, the old, I can't think what country, is it Germanic or Slavic or whatever, but in, uh, in, in, in Germany, say, or whatever country it is, you have Krampus instead of Santa that comes and fucks with all the little kids. Why do we do that? You know, why do we, why must we resort to fear? to get kids to do what we want it's, it, instead of resorting to, you know, I, I guess children have a natural urge to disobey. Children have a natural urge to break away from what their parents tell them to do. So we say, don't stay up this late, they're going to stay up this late. So don't go outside this time, they're going to go outside this time. Which, first off, fuck that. Listen to your parents. I'm sure they know better than you do, especially when you're eight. Because when you're eight, you don't know anything. But I digress. Why fear? You know, why hard punishment? Why fear? Uh, fear is a really useful tool. And you see it all the time. You see world leaders using fear. You see it in, in world and, and world leaders, good, evil, and, and in between. You know, you have leaders in our own country using fear. You have leaders, whether it's politically, leaders, you know, the media uses fear. And if you don't think the media uses fear, you're not thinking straight. Because the media will sit there... And they will blast the same bad opinions and the same partial explanations of a topic until people are like, shit, everything is fucked. The world is over. And they're not even telling you the whole story, but they're using fear to manipulate you. Because if you can make something else have fear, you can control it. And that's why it's, it's, you see some of the smartest predators using fear. Oh, it's so I don't know if you've ever seen like you've seen footage of, of, of animals like you see like a killer whale and killer whales are I'm a they're one of my I am more afraid of killer whales than almost any other animal A their appearance there's these sleek black and white there's not a lot of moving parts on that motherfucker and it's big and they're smart they're so smart they'll like play with their prey they'll they'll chase it around and they'll t you know they'll play with it and that's what no dude just eat that motherfucker. Just eat it, man. Don't don't get in there and, and scare it and chase it around front. That's terrifying, dude. And a fun, quick fun fact about killer whales too. So they click and they click and they communicate, which is a on its own scary, right? So they communicate in, in groups over the water, but the second they start, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, a hunt. A hunt? 
a, a siege. The second they start an attack on their prey, they stop clicking. They stop clicking, and it goes dead silent in the water. And so we don't know how they communicate when they're hunting. We don't know how they they get around talking to each other when they're hunting. And it's insane to me. That's nuts. What does that mean? How smart are they? Do they plan it all beforehand? How intelligent are some of these animals? I think there's so many animals. Uh, I've, animals are really cool. I find I'm about to get on my I'm about to get my favorite tangent right now. Animals are really interesting to me. I've seen a lot of I watch a lot of nature documentaries. I like spending time with animals. I like watching them and their patterns. And they're crazy the way they work. Uh, and and part of why I find them to be so crazy is a thing called instinct. Um, instinct, the instinct that these, you know, instinct obviously is defined as, you know, non-conscious patterns of thought and movement that animals take, things that are uh, woven into the fabric of their being. Um, and, and I've done, so. I should do more research on this, but I've done a little bit of research on this topic. And for a large part, we don't understand how instincts work, like on a really big sense. Like, I'm not talking about, like, if, you know, you put your hand over the stove and it hurts, you move your hand away. I'm talking things like, if you look at sea turtles, right? Sea turtles are hatched on the beach by themselves. And I actually just found out recently that they can communicate, the little, the little babies in the shells communicate on when to come up to come up together, and so they can run into the water together. But they, they are laid on the beach, the parents go away, and they hatch and run to the shore. And since this happens every year, the birds have found out that they should go take pick off some of these turtles. And so come hatching season, they start running, and the birds are picking them off. But the turtles know off the bat to run. It's not like a turtle pops up and goes, oh, shit, this is the world. It's over there. It's sunny now. No, and then, oh, my God, a bird. Ah, it's running. No, they know off the bat to run because they have an instinctual knowledge of the fact that they're being hunted. And the instinctual knowledge stems from generation after generation having this happen. It becomes woven into this your a state of being without communication. And that's the most I've seen on the topic for the most part. And there's a lot of examples of this. You can look at it in uh, most animals, right? They have, oh, they know this is a predator before it's even a predator. without even being told it's a predator. But what does that mean? That means that we have the ability, animals have the ability to communicate without face-to-face contact. They have the ability over time to communicate over you know, genes over DNA. And to me, that indicates that there's something more than just living and dying. There's some, whether it, And it doesn't have to be religious, you know? It can be scientific. There could be a, a state of matter that functions over, you know, time, as opposed to on the XY axis of Earth. It maybe functions between that, and it might connect the members of a species together. But this means that you have information that's being passed down to you from dead generations before you. You have information coming into you from a very from birth that's just bred into you, and that's crazy to me. And that means so much to me, and that sh- it tells me a lot. A little, this is more campy idea. I'm not sure. I don't think this is actually real. But you know, say personal fears that you have, right? What if those personal fears stem from your ancestral line, right? Maybe if you're afraid of water. Maybe it's because historically, your genealogical line, your ancestral line, was a peoples that lived near water, and a lot of them drowned. 
And so you developed a cautiousness around water. Or maybe you live in a rocky climate, and so you, you a lot of people died from falling off, you know, falling and stuff like that. And so you maybe have more of an aversion to heights. Now, some of this is also generally societal, right? All humans have a general fear of heights or a general fear of water because those are areas that we don't have d- the domain advantage in, right? As opposed to like a, a field or something like that. But still, it's very it's a very interesting topic that I have not seen a good exclamation excla- explanation on. I haven't seen a good explanation on why instincts exist. And, and we've lost a lot of our instincts. We, we've given up things like instincts in return for a larger brain. It takes longer for a brain as complex as ours to develop, I'm told. And so as a result, it takes longer for us to make those associations and things. But I wonder if we never... If humans lacked the ability to, to evolve so fast compared to other animals, right? Like, we have society and shit like that. If we lo- if we didn't have as much of that ability, um, I wonder where the balance would fall right now, right? I wonder how advanced, you know, we could get if there was a cap on it um, while still retaining our childlike... Or uh, while t- still retaining, like, a low childhood. Like, like, you know, if by age two we could fight and live on our own... How advanced of a society, of a culture, could we also maintain? I wonder what the that the high end of that picture, that shit, right? Well, three year olds running around working, business suits. Um, but no, I, I find that stuff very interesting, and it stems a lot off of of fear. And another big aspect of fear is in religion. And this is why this is the problem I have with most religions. And I'll, I'll get into some of the stuff like religion and maybe that instinct thing a little more in their own podcast, but. You know, my big issue with a lot of religions is that it's a lot of them are very man-made. Um, you see stuff like, I'm going to use Christianity because I am the most comfortable with it. Um, I was raised a Christian. Um, if you look at Christianity, it is a religion that's very humanistic. Whether it, you know, the, to me the idea of having an afterlife where the good people go up to heaven and all the bad people get onto hell, that seems very simple. That seems very human-created to me, right? The people that we agree with are doing good, and the rest are getting revenged upon for the rest of eternity. That doesn't make a lot of sense. If, you, if we're alive for an eternity, the hundred years at most we spend on Earth is a pretty small amount of time, so we're pretty immature throughout our lifespan. So if during that time you make a lot of mistakes, really you're punished forever? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I think a lot of times these religions utilize fear and utilize that herd mentality of, you know, we're good, they're bad, um, too much. And so that's why I don't believe a lot of these religions, because you see a lot of religions that's like, oh, yeah, it's it's fear-based. It's live in this, it's, it's love, it's fear being shrouded by love, right? So you have uh, the bases, if you don't do the way that we, this book that we wrote as humans... Is it says you're gonna go to hell, you're gonna go to the bad place, you're gonna be reincarnated as a bullfrog. But if you follow what we want and you do as we say, you'll be accepted into the kingdom of the Lord, or accepted into the big soup that is foreverness, and you will be happy. And I think that's a lot of that's flawed. And if that stuff is real, if something out there is real, I'm, I personally am not a huge believer that's gonna work that way. It's going to be such a vengeful, eternal society. That's crazy to me. I don't know. I wouldn't, if I, if I was in control, I wouldn't say that. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. Don't have a world like that. It's no, it's no good universe. 
Sorry, you fucked up. Can't fix it. You grew up not believing in God, so you're not going to get to heaven now. Sorry, Buster. What? No chance, man. No chance I believe in any of that stuff. I don't believe in it. I don't, I don't, I, it's not, I don't, I, I don't believe in the fundamental idea that we should punish something for eternity. What? That's crazy to me. I've done so much stupid shit. If I was punished for eternity, oh, it'd be over, man. It'd be over. But anyways, getting back into horror here. Horror has existed in our culture, and it exists for a reason. Because human beings are incapable of existing without a level of fear. It's what keeps us going. And I'm sure it's the reason we were such good predators. Because we're not stupid. We understand that we're, we're, we understand that we are flawed creatures that can be killed and be taken advantage of. And we learned that over thousands of years of probably getting our ass beat by bigger predators. And as a result, it inspired this fear, this fire inside of us that makes us want to get out of those situations. And we have things like fight or flight. We have things like our brain filling in gaps where there's nothing. We have a lot of those evolutionary traits that are very complex and very interesting. And, and I think it's such an interesting topic to me. I think stuff like genetics, stuff like that is very interesting. Um, and, and so I will, you know, I'm start, probably going to start to wrap this up here, but... You know, I think that it's important to think about fear in life. Think about what monsters our society has today. Because I, I think it's very interesting to look at monsters in, in culture. Because in different cultures, are different monsters. And a lot of those monsters represent geography, culture, politics. They have a lot of a time period, a lot of things. Um, and so I think that looking at, if you look at like... What monsters Chinese culture thousands of years ago had versus uh, American monsters? They're very different, but there's very similar undertones. And some of those undertones are so similar in a lot of cultures that they even ha they even look similar, even though they're from thousands of years and thousands of miles apart. Which that part's very crazy to me. But, anyways, um, I I think that if you look at different cultures, you know depiction of what fear is it's very interesting if you look at something like the vampire right the vampires it, it, it is two things it's a darkness right it's that it's that stepping away it's that into the into the shadows it's what you can't see which is a very we talked about it earlier it's a very normal it's a very instinctual fear of what you can't see what you can't understand scary that's one of the scariest fears. It's my biggest fear. If I say I'm afraid of something, I'm sure it would be the dark. When I'm by myself and I look over there in the corner, it's dark out over there. Shit, what's over there? Who's that? Here's something falling. It happened to me earlier. I was home myself. Had the pantry open. I must have knocked something a little bit. Because I was overcooking. And all of a sudden, boom, I hear, boom, at the ground. I shot up like a rocket. Those bark thins, those little chocolate pretzels, fell out of the pantry. But for a second, I could have sworn on the ground I saw a little black creature, a little cat or some shit. I was freaked. It took me five minutes looking around all the corners to make sure it wasn't actually in my house. There's nothing in my house. But it freaked me out nonetheless. And that, to me, is crazy. Because my mind filled in. And once your mind fills in, it's over. It happened another time, too. I was... With my friends, and we've been talking about some deep stuff that night too. And we kind of got onto some scary topics, so I'm sure that was part of it. 
But I was standing, and the way my house was laid out, I had my kitchen, right? We were all in the kitchen. And if you look over, there's like a little short hallway to the front door. And that hallway on one side is the stairs down from upstairs, and the other side is an office, uh, like an office. So what looked like, I looked over out of the corner of my eye as I was talking to someone, and it looked like something ran from the bottom of the stairs over into the office. And I swore it was, I thought my, I, I stopped talking, I just looked over there for five minutes. I, th- I could have swore my mom ran from one side to the other, but my mom, wouldn't have, my mom doesn't run. She doesn't have good knees. My mom wouldn't have run in the dark, so we couldn't see her. And it really scared me, because I was like, I was, con- I made everyone leave to the front door and like walk with me to the front door, and I went right upstairs, and they were leaving too, because it terrified me. What's up there? What's right there? Was it real? It wasn't real. It was all in my imagination. But I could have been fooled. I could have been told otherwise. So it, that stuff is. Yeah, I'm gonna be freaked out. See, right, uh, this podcast. No, it gets to do in the middle of the night. I'm gonna be trying to go upstairs get some tea after this. I'm gonna be stunting. But yeah, think about the role fear plays. Right, let's talk about fear from a modern perspective. Uh, we don't have a lot of it left. Um, a lot of the things that we're eh, we have a we have a lot of fear and a little fear too. We've become a society that lives in relatively surrounded places, right? There's not a lot of people living with no one for miles. A lot of that stuff's starting to fade away. Um, a lot of the fears and creatures that we used to be afraid of forever and ever and ever are starting to lose their meaning, lose their kick. But they're being replaced. Technological fear is big. Political fear is big again. We're back in that. Um, I guess it's always been big. I'm sure fear of the man and the hierarchies around you have been a human fear forever. But it seems pretty big right now, and I'm not sure if it's worse or better. I mean, we're having a, we're having a lot less fucking like genocide and stuff than we used to. I'm sure the 20th century was nuts, and even and before that, there was everything from the Crusades on up, all the different wars we'd have, imperialism, all that stuff. I mean, we're we're at a low there, so I'm sure it's good there. But it still feels every day it feels crazier and crazier. Because the stakes get higher, right? Every decade the stakes get higher. Every year the stakes get higher. Um, but there's a lot of fear in our country right now. Um, and I think it's actually a really good idea to use that in horror movies. Use that that new fear, that new wave of fear, that new wave of, of, of personal fear we have of technology, of government. Black Mirror does a great job of it. I'm not, Bandersnatch is all right. It was a cool project. Um, it wasn't. It kind of broke away from their form a little bit, but it was a cool project. Black Mirror is a perfect example of taking. It was like you know that. Uh, that Twilight Zone vibe, right? But with modern stuff, with modern uh, problems, issues like cell phones, issues like politics, issues like that, of what we're using instead. <laughs> And that's really important because I think that movies as a whole, and especially horror movies, can really glean into what we're, what's going on as a culture right now, what's happening to people at the moment. So you so you look at you look at like the monsters of our generation, and you look at the fact that we don't understand technology. That's to me the, that's my biggest fear. Right? We we are in the wild west of technology if you really think about it. Right? If you think about stuff like the internet, all the stuff we're experiencing now. To us, it's like with life, but it's new. 30 years ago, it didn't exist. Before the 90s, it wasn't. It didn't exist. It, there was not even an inkling of it. It started out, you know? That stuff, a lot of that stuff 
started in the 20th century. It started in the last half of the 20th century. And so as a result, right now, we're setting the foundations of the rest of human existence. We're setting the foundations of what everything is going to be. Everything. The way we view ethics and morals, the way our technological processes, our technological growth is going to start. It starts now. And it's terrifying. It's in our hands. If we do it wrong, it's over. And we might be doing it wrong. It may already be over. It doesn't feel like we're doing it right. I'll tell you that. We're already having so many problems. And it's the beginning, man. We're going to have thousands of years of this stuff. And it's the, you know, this is as important as the creation of you know, iron and steel. This is as important as the creation of agriculture. This is one of our like five or six big human revolutions. Is the you know information revolution, the tech revolution that we're going through, and it's it's scary. So I, you know that I mean, that's my biggest horror. That's why I like Black Mirror so much, and that's why I have liked Black Mirror for a long time, because it's that's our biggest thing to worry about. We don't have monsters anymore. I don't care about that. I care about the fear that can actually happen. That's full circle right there. The hereditary. Things that can actually happen. Things that can actually hurt me. And that's the key to it. So I think that's exactly where we're going to end off tonight. So think about it. Think about what scares you. Think about what you like and don't like. And think about how to how to cope with it. How to deal with it. Because it's important to ha be able to deal with the things that scare you. Because if you can't, they're going to consume you. Thanks for tuning in tonight, guys, to Nightcap, the podcast where I come to you and talk about all of the topics that affect my life, all the things that are surrounding me. Hope you guys liked it tonight. This was my first full attempt at a full-length podcast. Uh, it's a little shorter than I expected, I believe, but um, I hope you guys liked it. Um, please tune in. Please tell your friends. Please contact me with uh, tips, tricks, suggestions, advice. Um, but thanks a lot. Um, and I hope you have a nice night.